I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. Today, I'm talking with Sean Abeta. He is an Oakley sales rep here in the Southwest. He is also a member of the Dukes Track Club and just an all-around pretty good runner. He's been running for a long time. He recently completed the uh, Kendall Mountain Run in Silverton, Colorado, placing 11th. Just went after the Watermelon uh, Loop in the Sandias FKT. And I'm really excited to talk to you. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Seb. I really appreciate you bringing me on. It's uh, it's an honor, a privilege. And uh, out of the mass amount of runners that we have in New Mexico, don't know why you picked me, but I'm happy to chat with you. Well, um, you know, again, I think the, the watermelon FKT was something that was really interesting. And, and then after kind of chatting with you a bit before, I think there's there's just a lot of stuff that I think it, that's going to be relatable to a lot of runners. And really, every runner has a story from from the very beginner to, to the top end. And I think they all deserve to have that story told. So so let's just start off with, uh, you know, how did you get into running? Oh, man, it's it's actually a funny story. I'll try to give you the cliff notes, because I can definitely ramble this thing on to a three-hour podcast. I don't think we have that time. Um, <laughs> so growing up, just to give you a, a little bit of a backstory, you know, I was a pretty athletic kid. You know, I'm, I'm one of, of three siblings, or two, I have two other siblings. I have two other brothers. Uh, one's a year and a half younger than myself, and one's nine years younger. Uh, the one that's a year and a half younger than myself, we were pretty competitive growing up. And arguably, I'd say that he was always a better athlete. Now, our primary focuses are around team sports, doing, you know, like baseball and soccer. You know, I branched off to do hockey while he branched off to do a little bit more like football. But we also did a lot of action sports growing up in, in Southern California. We participated in junior lifeguards. We did, you know, we rode BMX. We, we skateboarded. We did all kinds of stuff, uh, snowboarded, skied, um, water skiing, wakeboarding. So, I mean, I was pretty active, you know, and I had a pretty active group of friends too. And when it came to high school, that's where I started running. I actually didn't go to high school with the plan of actually running at all. Uh, the plan was actually to play baseball. And for some odd reason, I don't know how it didn't work out. Um, it might've just been not knowing but I didn't do fall, I guess you'd call it like pre-training, you know, for baseball, which was a spring sport. And so uh, myself and two other friends, we took a PE class for our fall semester, which I think happened to be second period or something like that. And we were struggling in a English class, which happened to be our sixth period class. And one day the cross country coaches came out to our PE class and had the class do a, an 800 meter, two laps around the track. And they were like, just put out your best effort. And being competitive, me and my friends, we both took it out super hard. And, uh, you know, we all finished within the top 10, you know, and they pulled the top 10 aside. And they were like, we think that you guys would be great for the team. You should consider it. And 
after leaving the meeting, my two friends and myself were just like, or at least I was like, there's no way, you know, They're, they just said that we had to race three miles. That's crazy far. There's no way that I'm doing that. That doesn't sound fun at all. And my two other friends were just like, well, we'll think about it. You know, if we join cross country, that means that we would have to change our sixth period English class that we weren't doing well. And we were basically failing and only a couple weeks into it. And so it didn't take long before they were able to convince me to join them into signing up for the cross country team, getting out of our sixth period English class, you know, which then got replaced by a different teacher, different course for second period. And uh, we had about two weeks of training, if my memory serves me right, before we got into our first meet. And uh, it happened to be against our, I think, I, I think it happened to be against our arch rival. So I went to Fountain Valley High School in Orange County, in California. And our arch rival was Edison High School. And, you know, jumped into it, didn't know what I was doing. I don't even know if we'd even done a time trial for three miles, which is what our race distance was at the time. But this was fresh off. And I ended up finishing, I think, third overall, first for our team for Fresh Off. And as soon as I crossed the finish line, turned around and saw that I was the first one on our team, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> what did I do? You know, there's no way that, that I'm going to be able to get out of this now. You know, I think I ran 1824 as well, which I didn't know what that meant at the time. And now I realize I was actually a pretty fast time, especially with not a lot of training. So obviously there was some talent behind it. Um, and then it further evolved from there where I was able to, you know, get my times lower. I started to understand the sport a little bit more. And, um, you know, so that was, that was the start was just trying to get out of English class. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, I've heard, a, a you know, at least one other person say that, you know, they, they want, they were actually going to be a baseball player and, um, or, you know, they, we're doing it for to get in shape for basketball or whatever. And, um, but you're, you're the first to say it was to get out of a class. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it worked out because I did, I did much better in the, in the next English class. Um, I was always, I always prided myself of having decent grades, you know what I mean? And, you know, it, it was a huge gut check when we were in that class and we just couldn't, it seemed like, I mean, we even did like study hall together you know, to try to figure out how to raise our grades and we just couldn't get it done. We couldn't figure out why. So I guess running was a good alternative at the time. Yeah, definitely. And uh, did you end up trying out for baseball in the spring? How did that go? Yeah. So funny thing, you know, I had a really good first season of running in cross country. And at the end of it, all the coaches were more like, hey, so track's coming up. This is our plan for the off season." we were really looking forward to you, to you coming out for that. And I was like, well, I hate to, to burden you with some bad news, but I'm not coming out for track. And they're just like, what do you mean? And I'm like, Oh, I, I, I came out to high school to play baseball. They're like, what? And I was like, yeah, I played baseball my entire life. And you know, I really, really like it. That's really where my true passion is. And they were frazzled. And so I went out, tried out for baseball, even though they tried to convince me otherwise. And, um, I thought I did really good in tryouts. You know, I, I was pretty decent. You know, I made all stars a number of years, you know, in little league and whatnot going into the high school level. And unfortunately, when I saw the, the cut list, you know, after all of the tryouts had concluded, I, I found that I did not make the team and I was, I was pretty devastated. 
you know, and I, I think I remember seeing that sign head down, walking over to the coaches almost immediately after that were holding, you know, preliminary track practice and, you know, breaking the bad news to them. And, you know, they were trying to console me, but you could definitely tell that they were just like, oh, heck yes. <laughs> and so, you know, the consolidation or the, you know, like the, the, the prize, I guess I had, or the backup plan that I had was to run track. And so I did run track that year. Um, as well, I, I specialized in the two mile, but also ran, you know, in the mile, but I was, I was pretty, I was pretty bummed out, you know, like going to high school, my plan wasn't to run. Was I having fun? Yes. But that really wasn't the plan, you know, going into high school. I also played a ton of roller hockey. And the one thing is, uh, Fountain Valley high school, although it wasn't a CIF sanctioned sport, it was a club sport. And so we were able to put together um, a, a number of, of divisions at Fountain Valley High School from a freshman team, sophomore JV, as well as varsity team. And so that was kind of the funny part of track because hockey was the, was a spring club sport. And so against my coach's will, you know, or my coach's wills, like I played hockey at the same time that I, that I ran track, which I think a lot of people would find to be counterintuitive, right? Because you're playing a sport that has a pretty high – injury <laughs> prone capability. Right. here I am trying to run and the goal is to not get injured um, <laughs> and and you know completely different uh, physically I mean in cross country sometimes you you might brush elbows against someone but you know in track it's it tends to spread out a bit more and you, you don't quite get that same physicality and then you're going over to hockey I mean you're you're looking to hit someone sometimes. Yeah. Well, in, in roller hockey, it's a little bit different. It's not a, as aggressive as ice, which I guess was kind of fortunate. And that probably helped play a part. You know, we, we did wear pads and obviously there was definitely contact, but we didn't wear we, shoulder pads was optional, at least with roller hockey. Now, okay. in, in that level, you know, checking was kind of more or less frowned upon. And there were some penalties, you know, if you just blatantly check somebody into the boards to get them out of the play. You know what I mean? Obviously, if you got if two players were, you know, fighting for a puck, say against the boards, you can pin somebody against the boards. But to like lay somebody out mid court um, intentionally, you know, if there's just, you know, incidental contact, open floor, and two people just happen to to run into each other, there's no penalty for that. So there's definitely some contact. I mean, pucks are flying around at super fast rates, and you're not wearing near as much equipment as you would with ice, and it's a hard plastic puck, and so could definitely do some damage to you if, if, if you get in the line of fire, which, you know, if you're trying to, if, if you're on defense, that's the goal is to try to keep the puck from going in the net. So sometimes you have to get in front of it, but, you know, you also have sticks flailing around and, you know, other bodies that you're trying to, to negotiate around. So there was definitely some injuries playing hockey, but I think it was just another form of cross training too, because, you know, and it wasn't intentional, but it, it kind of worked out. You're stimulating different muscle groups you know, than you would when you're, when you're running. And so I think it helped, you know, throughout my four years of running, at least through high school, you know, to, to have a form of cross training, you know, to keep me healthier. It's not to say I didn't have some injuries, you know, running in high school, but I think it helped with the amount of miles that we were actually running. That makes sense. And so you did continue running, you, you ran junior college, um, you did do some division one and, so like, when did you make that transition in your mind that, 
you were you were a runner you were going to be a runner um you know after you know you you wanted to do baseball you were still doing the you know the roller hockey stuff like when did that transition kind of come or or did it really come uh it did come um it took a little while um like i said in high school you know i dabbled in hockey so it was kind of almost like me rebelling against the fact that i was forced into a sport that i didn't really have a plan for funny thing is my freshman and sophomore year i also dabbled in pole vault um, so it was just one of those things where I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to touch a couple different things and just see what my interests, you know, are, you know what I mean? And obviously the running portion of it was probably my, my strongest, you know, attribute. And I think the love for running started to develop as I started, you know, furthering my career. So, you know, getting into my senior year and my senior year, unfortunately, I, I ran into a number of IT band problems. And so I didn't have the best senior year, but I was really competitive still and I was able to still do some, some decent times. Although, you know, my improvement from my freshman year to my senior year, I wouldn't call it to be substantial, but there was a lot of development there. And then when I went to orange coast college, which was the junior college that I went to, um, that's really where the passion started to grow immensely. So I knew when I went into junior college, I was going to have to make a decision. I couldn't just, screw around for lack of a better term, you know, dabbling into hockey or other sports while I'm trying to run. I had to make a decision. I was either committed or I wasn't. And that's where I basically stopped, you know, playing hockey and some of the other sports. And I fully plunged into running and made that my dedication, you know, and it was actually a good thing because I really enjoyed, you know, the coaching staff there and their training philosophy. We had an awesome group of runners. They had a really, really good running distance running program. And going into college, I didn't really know what, what I wanted to do from a degree standpoint. So it actually took a little bit of that pressure off from going directly into a four-year, you know, not only, you know, from an education standpoint, but also economically, because it's a lot cheaper to go to JC to basically just focus on my running and get my GE done. You know, it introduced me to steeplechase, which was my specialty in track. And Ultimately, that was, I would have to say that the two years of junior college that I ran was probably the best two years of my initial competitive running career. And that's where the true passion came. What was it like to, to do the steeplechase? It always intrigues me. Like, it just always seems so different. And so, I mean, because we, you know, obviously we don't run it in high school. Um, I never got a chance to run it in college myself, but it just always seemed just so tough. And just like the toughest people always did is, is the way I always viewed it. Yeah. I wasn't really sure how I got thrown into it. I don't know if it was just one of those things where they're like, we don't know what you're good at in track. So we're just going to throw you in steeplechase because we don't have a lot of candidates. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I actually really liked it, but it, it was definitely a, uh, there was a growing curve with it because I never had done any type of hurdling drills. Right. And there's a lot of it and there's a lot of strength involved and, I wish I knew now, you know, back then, because I do find that a lot of my current strengths have to do with the strength in my legs over maybe some of the fast twitch that I have, you know what I mean? And so steeplechase, I think was kind of one of those sneaky events that I was actually better at than I gave myself credit for, um, compared to some of the other events, because when it came to like the 5k and the 10k, like I, I think I did pretty decent, but I was always far from being competitive you know, up in the front group, you know, but when it came to steeplechase, I was always kind of like, kind of there. 
but it is, it's a, it's a very deceiving sport because of the amount of, of barriers that you have to go over. Then you have that water jump, which is just an absolute energy drainer. And it seems like the majority of the time you can get through the first mile and you feel fairly comfortable. And then, you know, the rest of it, cause it's a 3000 meter race, the rest of it, it just absolutely wears you every lap after that. And you go from starting the race, being able to typically hurdle the barriers to barely being able to step over them. And so it's, it's a pretty brutal race. Um, but it was, a it was a lot of fun, you know, and, and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, um, other runners, you know, both on other teams as well as my own team, my teammates, you know, we always used to, you know, have this challenge to see if we can do the race and only get one foot wet, you know? So not only was it, Hey, let's just see how fast we can run this, but Hey, did you get two feet wet or only one? <laughs> that, that, that seems like adding an unnecessary level of difficulty to it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to distract yourself a little bit because it was a really hard race. <laughs> that, that's all right. That's true. They can see that. <laughs> Now, you know, I don't, we actually, you know, we haven't met, obviously, but I don't know if you're a taller, a taller person. I I saw a picture, I think, on um, Instagram with uh, Mark Quinones, and, you know, he's a little bit shorter, I know. And so, you know, you look a little bit taller. And so do you think that's part of the reason they threw you in just kind of that height? Like, oh, it'll be easy for you to get over those hurdles? Uh, potentially. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of runners tend to be a little bit on the smaller side, especially in college. I mean, I wouldn't call myself a tall runner, maybe for a runner. I'm five ten on a good day. Um, okay. maybe later in the afternoon, I shrink down to about five, nine, but, um, <laughs> I think I do have some longer legs, you know what I mean? And so I think that kind of helped at least with the steeple, you know, having that hip height, the way, you know, where it was, where I didn't have to jump up as much, as much as just hurdle over um, so that, that probably did help a little bit. That makes sense. And, you know, we talked a little bit before, as I, as I already said, and so you kind of took a break after college and, you know, do you want to go into kind of what your mindset was like going into that, what happened and, and why it extended, you know, for, for the amount of time that it did? Yeah. So I ended up taking about a 15-year break between college and when I started running a few years ago again. Uh, part of it had to do with the fact that, I mean, I'd say a lot of it was probably immaturity, but I f- also feel like there was a lot of things kind of layering on top of itself, itself, creating more or less a perfect storm. You know, I went from, you know, running at a fairly high level you know, at least amongst the school that I ran with in high school, same thing with junior college. And then, you know, when I transferred over to Cal State Fullerton, you know, with hope of finishing my last two years there, you know, I had one year competitive running with in cross country and in track, and I could have come back for another year. But after that first year, I just feel like I was, I was getting to a point of just absolute burnout. You know, like I said, I didn't jump into running in high school, you know, with, the notion that I was going to be a runner. So a lot of my friends, they, you know, non-running friends, like the friends that I grew up with, they weren't really runners, you know what I mean? So they were doing this, that, or the other. And you have a little bit of that kind of envy, you know, watching them be able to not have to make the same sacrifices that you're making, you know, from a competitive standpoint. And, 
you know, I could say that there was probably a little bit of jealousy there. You know, there was some struggles happening with, with school, you know, now that I was focusing on a degree, you know, and there was just a lot of things that was, I think, contributing to my performances not improving at the rate that I was hoping, you know, so the progress just really wasn't there. And I was like, I think I just need a, a break, you know, to hit that reset button, hopefully find that fire again. And, uh, you know, I'll come back, maybe I'll take a year off and then I'll come back and hopefully be able to finish, you know, strong, you know, give myself just a year of, of just putting in some base miles, probably trying to, I've heard this before with other coaches or athletes where they're trained, training to be able to train. Right. And I feel like I probably needed to train to be able to train with D1 guys. Not to say that I couldn't run some of the workouts and stuff like that, but they were definitely, it was definitely really hard. You know, in high school, I was probably averaging somewhere around maybe 30 to 40 miles a week. Junior college was probably closer to like 50 to 60, peaking out at maybe like 80 for like a week or two. And then when we went, when I went to Cal State Fullerton, we were definitely in that 80 to 100 miles a week. And so, yes, there was some progressive jumps, but it was still a lot and it was a lot of time and it was just a lot to juggle. And, you know, when I took the time off, like I said, the hope was to get back into it and it just, it just didn't happen. I think life just got away from me a little bit, or at least the running component of it. I got distracted and just got to a point where, you know, I needed to get fit and I just wasn't doing the work to get it done. And I was like, there's no way that I can be competitive and, you know, let alone putting the time in to try to make the team again, if that was going to be, you know, the ask. And so I ended up taking some time off thinking that, you know, well, maybe this is the end of my college career, but maybe I'll run a little bit post-college and, do some local events or something like that. And I think ultimately it just was me trying to make up for lost time. You know what I mean? Making up some of that time that I missed with a lot of my friends and things like that. And the years just kept going and going and going. And I just really wasn't running as much. Like the passion just really had kind of phased away a little bit, which is a little bit unfortunate, but it's not to say that I didn't run here and or there. I mean, the thing is, is when it came to, maybe stepping on the scale and going, you know what, I've, I've gained a couple pounds. I need to drop that off. You know, I was never really fluent in going to the gym and utilizing that as a vehicle to, to, to lose weight. So running always came somewhat natural to me. And so I'd go out and run a couple miles until I got to the weight that I was more or less hoping for. But then as you get older, <laughs> it becomes harder and harder and harder to lose those pounds and to keep them off, you know, right. especially when your life choices change, you know, and you're, you know, in 2002, I started working for, with Oakley. So I've been with them for a really, really long time. And this is, this is a pretty active company, you know, with a lot of people that like to have fun, like to have a good time. And I'm not complaining about it. It's great. Um, but we definitely had our fair share of parties that I don't think a lot of people remember. And, you know, that, that layers on to the, to the extra weight and such, you know, but we had a great time. And, then it was, I think in 2011 is when I got um, offered a sales position with Oakley, which was to take on the territory of New Mexico and West Texas. My girlfriend at the time, now my wife, we both took the plunge considering I didn't go away for college, you know, Cal State Fullerton and Orange Coast were within arm's reach of where I grew up. And I was like, this is a good opportunity for me to like get away and just explore a lifestyle away from the nest that I grew up in. And so we took the plunge together out to Albuquerque and uh, ended up getting married in 2014. And in the process of 
our wedding day, we were both like, we need to get into to, to wedding photo shape. And so both of us started running a little bit to try to drop some pounds. And, you know, I had a goal of losing a little bit more than I had done, but I was, I'd lost enough to be able to, I guess, be comfortable in my skin on our wedding day and our photos and such. And then after we got married, basically stopped running altogether and pounds started packing on until about 2017 i believe i stepped on the scale and i was 220 pounds and just miserable you know it like hurt to get out of bed everything was like stiff and i was kind of living vicariously through other people through like social media and stuff like that i just wasn't doing a whole lot i mean i was golfing and whatnot that was kind of a passion of mine at the time but i wasn't really doing anything active and the funny thing is is oakley's it's a performance company right it's an active company and we make product for people that are trying to perform at a high level. And here I am, I'm not doing any of that. And I'm not saying that I have to, it's not a prerequisite for the job, but I just feel like you get a little bit more respect if you actually, you know, kind of live the part a little bit. And when we'd have like sales meetings and stuff, a lot of times we'd have these breakouts, these team building, you know, activities where I play dodgeball or something like that and get super tired, super fast. And I'm like, man, I'm like the last guy getting picked for the dodgeball team. I'm like, and mentally, I'm like, I'm a competitive guy. I just, my body just isn't responding the way that it used to. That was basically the turning point was 2017 where I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something about my life. And that's pretty amazing. I think, you know, we talked a little bit before, you know, I can definitely relate to that. I, I took a long break off and it's, it's tough. And, you know, for those people trying to, to get back, you know, it's, you know, it can be tough to to get back to where you were, get back to where you where you want to be. You know, did you ever, as you were kind of coming back in your head, kind of compare yourself to who you used to be? All the time. And it was mentally and emotionally, it was it was pretty tough. But I would have to say, you know, I'm I'm 38 now. I think because of my age and maybe some of the maturity. I, I kind of came to an agreement with myself that I'll never be as fast as I used to be. And I was okay with it. You know, I was like, I'm a, I was a young buck back then with a ton of energy. I didn't have a whole lot of commitments and I can focus solely on, on running and, and my performance. Now I have a career, you know, I'm older, you know what I mean? Like recovery and all of that's going to take a lot longer. And, you know, but, but maybe I can, I can have fun being competitive within my own age group if that's even a plan, you know? So, I came, I came to a point where I think I was, I was coming to terms with it. And did you ever, was there ever a point in there where you kind of looked at yourself and and thought, I'm not a runner anymore? Uh, Yes. (laughs) A couple years before 2017, definitely looking in the mirror, just going, Oh my gosh, like there's no runner body there. And it was actually, it, it, it was pretty funny because I, you know, I'd have conversations with some people at work or even customers of mine or friends locally. And, I, you know, upon meeting each other, we would, you know, tell stories of our past life. And I'd let them know that I used to be a runner. And they're like, no way. <laughs> you weren't a runner. I was like, yeah, I used to run steeplechase. I ran, you know, two mile, one mile. You know, I did cross country. They're like, you don't even look like a runner. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I let myself go, obviously. But, yeah, I used to be a runner. I mean, and then I would try to dig up old photos, which were kind of buried in the garage someplace. It's not like I was, you know, embarrassed of it. I just, you know, back then everything was on like film, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not right. digital like it is right now. So it was a little different to, to like archive. Um, 
you know, and have it accessible on your phone. Uh, but occasionally I'd find something, you know, I'd search my name on like the internet or something like that. And you'd find like an old race from, I don't know, Fountain Valley High School or Orange Coast College or Cal State Fullerton. I'm like, oh, that's my name. And I know my picture's not next to it. And maybe it's coincidental that, that somebody else might have the same name, but how many people are named Shauna Beta, you know, <laughs> right. in the US, you know, let alone in this region, you know, I'd have to say there's not many. So, you know, and they're like, Oh wow. You used to, you actually used to be a runner. I'm like, yeah, I just don't look like one. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you kind of come back into running and competitive running, like you said about three years ago, 2017. And what, kind of got you back into that where you're like, I'm, I'm going to be competitive. I'm not just going to run and try to get in shape again. Like I want to get competitive again. Um, so like I said, when I was younger, I was just wired to be competitive. I don't know what it is, but it's with everything. It doesn't ha- even have to be specific with sports. You know, it, I mean, it's part of why I'm in sales, you know, it's a competitive career. And so right. needless to say, um, Back in 2017, more or less the story goes, you know, I stepped on the scale, saw 220, and I was like, I can't have this. You know, I had a good friend of mine who had been trying to get me into a newer gym in town called Orange Theory for a while. She was just like, hey, you should come and, you know, join me in one of these classes. I think you'll really like it. Because she knew about my past, and she knew that I wanted to try to lose weight and get active again. And, you know, I just got, I think it might've been more fear than anything, fear, fear of failure, fear of a lot of the different things because of just where I was at. And then, you know, one day my wife and her good friend were like, Hey, we're going to take this free first class at Orange Theory on the West side of town. Do you want to come with us? And I'm like, I think it's time. Let me, let me go with you guys and we'll, we'll just, we'll see how it goes. And that first class, I fell in love with it. It beat the crap out of me. It was a super, super hard class, but it's exactly what I needed. You know, I kept telling myself that I can kind of do it on my own. Like I was telling my other friend who was trying to get me into it originally, I was like, ah, I'm just going to go running. Don't worry. I'll just, I'll just go running. And I just, I couldn't create any accountability for myself, you know? And I think Orange Theory was kind of that, that kick in the butt that I needed because I can actually put it on the calendar. If it's on the calendar, I'm committed. You know, if it's just my free will, then I just wasn't going to do it on my own. And so... You know, I think it was after that first class, we were still in the gym and I, I signed up for it. My wife, I think both her and I were originally going into it. She's like, hey, we're going to take it, but we're not going to sign up. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then after the class, I'm like, I'm signing up. Do you want to sign up too? <laughs> She's just like, I thought we weren't signing up. I'm like, I need this. She's like, okay. And so I started going, I think like once a week for maybe a month or two. And then it, it slowly grew over the course of maybe six to eight months. That I was going like five days a week. Now, I wasn't really running competitively at that point or training with any group or friends or anything like that. I was basically just exclusively doing Orange Theory. And I did that for more or less the first year of my fitness journey or my new fitness journey. And so within that first year, I got down to, I think, around 185 pounds. You know, so I lost a pretty decent amount of weight in that amount of time. And I think a lot of it attributed to just the competitive nature in myself and just the goal of trying to lose weight. But at the time it was funny because I wasn't actually doing it to try to better myself and running specifically. Yes. Orange theory has three disciplines. If there's, there's a running component of it on the treadmill, there's, you know, a rowing machine and there's what they call floor, which is a combination of just body weight, you know, free weights and things like that. So it's more strength. 
And the original goal was just just be a better all-rounded, we'll call it athlete for that, for, for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? I just wanted to be just in better shape, you know, and, um, you know, rowing and, and the, and the floor component of it was always a little bit tough because there were the the new foreign, you know, categories for me, but the treadmill always came a little bit quicker, right. Just because of my past life, needless to say, fast forwarding a year, I ended up running into an old friend of mine who used to work at sports systems that ended up coming back to sports systems. They happened to be a customer of mine and his name is Lakaya. I'm sure a lot of people locally know of Lakaya. He's basically famous. And right. if he ever asks, asks you to join him on a run on the boss, you don't because <laughs> all he's going to do is stop every 20 feet to say hi to somebody. So it really <laughs> kind of messes with the flow. But in all seriousness, he's, he's amazing and he knows everybody and he's super cordial to everybody. And that, I think that's the beautiful thing about him is he doesn't, he doesn't not talk to people. He, he's cordial with everybody and he wishes the best out of them. And he basically at sports systems was like, Hey, I've, I've seen, you look like you've lost weight and you know, have you been running? And I'm like, well, I've been going to orange theory and I've been getting, you know, more fit and I'm really having fun with it. And he's like, Oh, I got this running group on Saturdays. It's part of the Bosky run group. You know, that, if you didn't know who Lakaya was, he opened a, a store briefly for a number of years on the West side of town called Bosky run shop. And right. he had this running group that he would do every Saturday. And he was like, you should come out to that. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll try that out. And I think it was like in 2018, right? June or July, 2018, something like that. I came out to my first group run and they were planning on doing something like eight miles. So if you don't know anything about Orange Theory, you're probably doing somewhere between, if you're a runner, because there are people that, that walk on the treadmills too, but if you're a jogger or runner, you're probably doing somewhere between maybe two to four miles, depending on your fitness level per class. So that's basically what my average was per class. I wasn't really doing much more than that. And this long run was supposed to be eight miles and it was along the Bosky. And uh, I was like, oh, I could probably handle eight miles. And he was like, yeah, we're just going to go at a super mellow pace. I'm like, cool. I didn't know what the definition of mellow was at the time. And I think we averaged somewhere around 830 a mile, which to me was like racing. Um, that was that was crazy fast. I was doing everything that I could to just hang on, stay connected, because I had no idea where, where we were going. And if you've run on the Bosque, you can't get lost, right? right. <laughs> you just right. go out and you come back. But I didn't know. And so I was like, I don't know if we're turning someplace. You know, maybe I should only go six. I didn't know the people that were maybe cutting a little bit shorter. And so they were having, everybody was having a casual conversation. I was just breathing super heavy. You know, I remember finishing the race and I was like, I've got like black toes forming. I've got shin splints and I was just a wreck. But it was a reality check. I was like, you know, I thought I was actually a pretty decent runner at Orange Theory, but apparently I'm not a good runner at all. You know, it's so like kind of lit that fire a little bit. And I was like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta stick with this. You know what I mean? This has to become easier. And I wasn't going to these Saturday runs to be competitive. It was just to be able to run with everybody else and not have to work near as hard as I did that first run. And what ended up happening is it was August that same year. So this is still 2018. Like I, the week before was like, Hey, next week, we're not going to meet up for the group run. And I was kind of devastated. I was like, really? Why? He's like, Oh, well, he goes, I'm, I'm working the loveless Rio Grande half marathon. He goes, as a matter of fact, you should come and do that. I'm like, what a half marathon? No. I was like, look, like the longest run I've done so far is 10 miles. And you're asking me to do 13. That's like way too much. He's like, Oh, you could totally do it. I've seen you running. Like you can totally do it. And I've got, I had gotten a little bit better 
you know, from that first run. And he's like, I was like, but I'm not near race shape. And he goes, don't worry about racing. Just use that as your long run. Maybe you'll find some other people from the Bosky run, you know, group out over there and you can run with them. And I was like, okay. But because I'm wired to be competitive, one of the coaches, fortunately at Orange Theory, we call him Coach Greg. He has a massive uh, list of marathons that he had completed. And so, you know, just going off of what I had done in Orange Theory with some of the runs, I was like, hey, what do you think I can run in this? He's like, oh man, like you probably do pretty good. He goes, you should try try to aim for like 135. And I was like, what does that come out to? And I was trying to do the math in my head and it was like low sevens. And I was like, are you kidding me? I don't think I've run faster than like an eight minute mile at any of these long runs. There's no way that seems super fast. He goes, I think you could do it. He goes, just go out there and, and just kind of feel it and, and, and just go after it. And I'm like, I don't know. That's a really long run. And that's really fat. And so I started doing all of this research because I'm just a nut like that. And I started going to past, you know, Rio Grande race results to kind of see what other people had been doing. And I was like, okay, well, I'm obviously not going to win this thing, but I wonder what other people within the same age bracket were running it in, you know what I mean? To kind of use that as a little bit of a benchmark. And, uh, Needless to say, I remember towing the line and going out way too hard. I think my first mile was like a 707 or something like that. And I was like, what am I doing? This is way too fast. And I thought I had pumped the brakes and the next mile was like a 708 or something like that. I'm like, I'm going to completely collapse, you know, halfway through this race. And so from that point forward, I just stopped looking at at my watch and I was like, I'm just going to stare at this guy's back and, you know, I'm just going to hang on, try to relax and Sure enough, when I finished the race, I think I came through at like 135.56 or something like that. Wow. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> How did I get this time? You know, because I think, I don't know if my math is right. I could be completely off. It was like a 7.17 average or whatever, which that blew my mind. I didn't think I had that in me. You know what I mean? And so, you know, Lakaya was obviously congratulating me afterwards. I was on cloud nine. I think I still have the photo of me at the finish line. And I looked different because I think I was still somewhere in like the 185 range weight wise. So I was still kind of heftier, you know, and at least for what I was used to, I finished somewhere in like the twenties, maybe 22nd, 24th, something like that. And I was like, you know what, maybe I still have a little bit of fire, you know, left in these legs, a little gas left. And it'd be pretty interesting to see what I can do. You know, I never really considered myself at a point where I could be, like competitive overall, but I was like, maybe I could be competitive within my age group as long as I put some time into it. Cause I'd only put a couple months into the actual running portion of it, take orange theory for a year out of the equation. And so that was more or less the spark, um, that got me more or less being competitive with myself, let alone trying to be competitive against maybe the age bracket or the, or the community. Right. That's pretty amazing. I think that's that's awesome, and and to, you know we all need that spark somehow, sometimes, and obviously it helped that you were kind of already wired a little competitively, but to get that spark from some people, and you know I've had limited interactions with Lakoya, but um, I I've, I know um, Mumbadak Hussein, who and they're they're along the same the same lines. They're just extremely positive and anything any doubt you have they'll come back with five reasons why no you got this and and having that being around that positivity is amazing and it's so helpful when you're trying to 
to find yourself back back in that running. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's what helped propel, propel me forward was just the encouragement that I've had that I had with so many different people. And so it, it's you know, that was the start of the journey. And I've been having a blast ever since. That's great. And so I want to jump back for just a second. And when you started at Orange Theory and you were doing some of those treadmill runs, like, you know, thinking back to, to my own journey, like, how heavy did your legs feel? Like when you first started kind of getting back and you had that extra weight, like, just how rough did that did that feel for you? I think if the treadmill had a display which allowed it to speak its free mind, it probably would have said only one runner at a time. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was pretty tough. Like the first probably month to two months, you know, I was only, you know, working out once a week. So you can imagine if you hadn't been to the gym as, as just an analogy and you go to lift weights and like the next three or four days, you're just absolutely sore. And that's basically what it was. My legs were just thrashed, you know, but because Orange Theory was a multidiscipline, you know, workout, it wasn't just the legs. It was my entire body. You know, it felt like I got hit by a train. Um, and it, but it, but it took a while. You know, the nice thing about Orange Theory is that the treadmills that they have, they have a little bit of a spring to them. So it did, did kind of help, you know, reduce some of that impact. But the fact that I just wasn't, you know, hardened, you know, in terms of like the ligaments, soft tissue, like the, the, you know, my bones to running, especially at that weight, you know what I mean? They, de- it definitely, they, they definitely took some abuse, but I also had to just tell myself, you know, you got to start someplace and just keep it easy. You like run within yourself. You know what I mean? You don't have to go out to every workout and make it your best workout. You know what I mean? You got to run within your capabilities and just make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. Because I think that's what helps people progress is that when they set them set, you want to give yourself some, some aggressive goals, but you want to have reachable goals. If you keep setting goals that are too far fetched, especially early on, it makes it really discouraging to try to push forward because you just never seem to actually get a victory. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think can be, you know, the hardest part trying to get into shape or back into shape is having these ideas, you know, like I asked you earlier of, of who you used to be or who you want to be and you know we we over often overextend our what we feel we're capable of in a short amount of time and and that can lead to injuries and you know like you said just uh you lose that focus you get discouraged and and it's easy to stop exactly and so you know jumping forward a bit obviously you you become a member of the the duke's track club and you recently got to actually run a race. Like not a whole lot of people have really had an opportunity to run since end of February, early March. And so what was it like doing the Kendall mountain run? You know, I have to give huge props for Aravipa running, which was the, the organizing group that set that, that race on because they did a phenomenal job during a time where there's a lot of complications, especially with things that we'd consider to be like racing, which is kind of like a social gathering, you know, there's a lot of complications and they did a great job coordinating, you know, a little bit of a different infrastructure for that race. So, 
but it ended up being super successful. So first off, they had to get permits from, you know, Silverton, um, Colorado, which is where the race was held and the local jurisdictions out in that area too. And we had a contract, all of us who were racing and it had a contract that we had to sign basically stating that if we felt sick going to the race, that we weren't going to show up. They did a good job of doing temperature checks, you know, at registration as well as the morning of the race, you know, to make sure that people were healthy. But they also did a little bit of a different format. It was a wave start and each wave consisted of 10 runners and each wave was separated by a five minute um, lapse of time, you know, so it was all chip time. But that basically allowed smaller groups to get on the course and hopefully spread people out a little bit further. But as you know, people of different running abilities, there are going to be a little bit of funneling happening through the course. I mean, there's just a lot of variables that you still can't control. But, you know, they tried to make a requirement of you wearing a mask at the starting line, at the finishing line or finishing area. Um, You know, while we were running, you were able to take your mask down if you had a hard time breathing. According to Ultra Sign Up, because that's where this race was registered through, they basically took the top 10 male projected times, top 10 female projected times, and those were basically how they constructed the first two waves. Now, it was a little bit challenging. One thing we hadn't talked about is I got injured in January, and so I I was kind of still in a little bit of a rebuild. And yes, I, I was fairly fit going into Kendall, but I don't think I was necessarily race fit which was fine. I still wanted to do Kendall. I mean, before my injury back in January, you know, I was planning out the different races that I wanted to do for 2020, obviously before the pandemic happened. And Kendall was on that list. You know, it wasn't confirmed that I was going to run the race, but it was within that time area. That was one of the, one of the couple of races that I had in mind. And then when everything got canceled, you know, I think it was maybe two months out, there was a confirmation that Kendall was actually going to hold up. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, this would be fun. You know what I mean? Like I hadn't done Kendall. I wanted to do Kendall. And this is one of the only races that's going. And I was like, I don't know if I can get in, in race shape and time, uh, but I'll do my best and it'll still be a really, really good experience. And so I did my best to try to get as fit as I could for that race, considering the circumstances and you know, I, I got to Silverton and I was like, I don't know if I'm quite there, but let's give it a, give it a try. And, you know, I went out and I, I put out a really good effort and, you know, I'm happy with the performance that I threw out there, you know, considering the circumstances, but there was a lot of stress going into it. Cause I wasn't really sure if at any week I was going to get an email from the race director going, we can't, we're canceling the race. So you're going through this progression through your training block to try to get yourself fit, but you also have this lingering you know, cloud of stress. Am I training enough? And, and do I want to train to my fullest capability knowing that this race could potentially be canceled? And then what, you know what I mean? I don't really have a backup plan, which I guess isn't necessarily a problem. I could do some other stuff, but there was a little bit of, you know, I have some other things I would like to do and I don't want to necessarily like hinder my ability to do some of these other challenges, whether it be through another race or locally, because I'm, I'm, focusing this solely on this, this one race. But yeah, I mean, I, I did Kendall. I think I finished 11th place, you know, which was good. So um, I, I was able to break the two hour barrier, which a lot of people were like, that's a pretty tough one. You know, I was hoping to try to break the 150 barrier, but that, that didn't happen. Um, but that's okay. You know, it was my first experience going out over that way and considering all of the variables, you know, I still think I put out a pretty 
dang good time and and i'm and i'm happy with with how that turned out well that's awesome and like you said i mean coming coming back from from injury and being able to to do that is is probably pretty well um what injury were you uh dealing with so over this last winter, um, I had transitioned to training for the Houston Marathon, which was going to go off, or it went off on January 19th. And I started feeling some some shin splint sensations, more or less, towards the tail end of, of last year, going into like the New Year's transition and the early part of January. And that was always a little bit strange. It's not to say that I I never had shin splints. I you know I, I seemed to, especially when I took long breaks, like early on into like rebuilding some of my, my mileage, you know, I'd always get a little bit of the shin splints, you know, but eventually after a couple of weeks, they would go away. So it was a little bit atypical to receive that sensation, especially late in a training block. And so the week of, um, the Houston marathon, I just had a bunch of these concerns where just something wasn't right. And, uh, I went to a physical therapy or I went to my, my primary doctor who then referred me to a physical therapist. They took a look at, at my leg and, he was pretty um, certain it was probably a soft tissue thing, but just to be on the safe time or safe side, they got me to, to go in and take, you know, get some x-rays done and, and have a consultation with an orthopedic. And uh, as soon as the x-rays popped up on the screen immediately, he was like, yep. And he circled in there. He goes, looks like you got this uh, calcification, you know, bump on your, on your inner uh, left tibia, which is basically a stress reaction from a fracture you probably had like two to four weeks ago. And I was like, you're kidding. He goes, yeah. So he goes, so you're a runner. And I'm like, yep. He goes, are you right? Do you have a race? I'm like, yep. This weekend. He goes, nope, <laughs> you shouldn't do it. He goes, I, I know that this is the hardest thing for runners to hear because you guys are super tough and you guys don't like to hear no, but you know, running a marathon with this type of injury is not a good idea. He's like, you know, there's a small chance you can you can get away with it unscathed, but there's a pretty high probability that if you do this race, not only are you going to re-aggravate this injury, but you can make it worse, meaning that your recovery time was going to be a lot longer. So, you know, I had to take a number of weeks off. I mean, he was estimating about six to eight weeks, which it took much longer than that for me to be able to actually start running and building mileage. But yeah, so the bone was probably healed in, in six to eight weeks, but it wasn't able to handle the, the load from running until right. a while after that yeah and that i mean you're right that is that is tough i mean that's nothing that a runner wants to hear it's nothing that you know no no runner wants to wants to sit out and feel like well I, i'm missing out i'm missing this race this is an opportunity i'm tough but you know again having that time where you you did sit out basically and you you had that 15 years off did you feel like that kind of helped you get through it. Like I've been through this. I can get, I can get through it again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just kept thinking, I mean, obviously I was, I was absolutely devastated. You know, I put a lot of time, I put a lot of work. I felt like I was really, really fit. I don't know if I was ready to hit the, the time that I was training for to, so to some extent it was kind of a relief. Um, but right. At the same time, I was like, okay, I need to take, you know, I can take some time off. You know what I mean? And it's probably good because I've been putting a lot of time into this and my body probably needed a little bit of rest anyways. And I was like, you know, road isn't really my specialty. You know, my specialty happens to be a lot of the trail and the mountain stuff. And so that was more just 
kind of a fun thing to do in, in my trail off season. You know, I was like, so although it's a bummer to take this time off, let's really try to focus on getting healthy so I can hopefully start my trail season, so to speak, you know, on a good foot, pardon the pun, you know, and, and on schedule. It was a little bit tough at the beginning because it was taking so long to be able to feel healthy enough to run. But yeah, it's, you know, thinking back at the time that I took off, you know, I was like, you know what, I can rebuild. I don't recall really ever having a stress fracture that, you know, in my past running life, you know, maybe I did have some and I just never got, you know, the the official diagnosis. Um, But it was definitely a different sensation. So I didn't know what it was going to be like once it was healed. Like would I be able to handle the same type of volume, you know, and luckily I, I, you know, I've got a lot of really good, you know, running friends and we've got an awesome community and they were able to share some of their stories of similar injuries. And, you know, they, created some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. It's going to take a little bit of time to, to get healthy again. But once you're able to get that leg healthy, like you should be able to resume, but you just need to make sure you have that the back of your mind, you know, how you're, how you're building your training program and making sure that you're understanding that you are older and it's going to take a little bit of time to recover. And you need to make sure that you're, you're recovering. And I'm just like, I'm also trying to raise time, you know, I'm 38 now, I was 37 at the time. (laughs) And I'm like, I only probably have a couple more years before I start, getting diminishing returns because I start hitting a particular age and I just can't, I can't keep up anymore. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I got through it and I started to run again and, and, and we're, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting more fit. And that's, and that's great. And I mean, obviously, you know, you must be feeling pretty good. Uh, you just recently went after the FKT on the watermelon loop and I mean, just, just, barely missed it i think uh you were about 30 seconds off right 32 seconds <laughs> 32 seconds <laughs> gotta add that extra two in there <laughs> how does that happen on a in a 20 mile mountain race i don't know <laughs> right right like oh if i would if i was just you know a, a step quicker here and there and that that's all it is which is crazy yeah but it it it, it's it's a humbling experience, and honestly, I'm kind of glad it it happened the way that it did. The thing is, is going into the FKT, I should have planned it a little bit better. It, I'll be honest, it was kind of an impulsive move to actually like run it at that intensity. I ended up making the decision the night before. It wasn't that I wasn't going to run it. I had made the plan maybe like a week to two weeks prior that I was going to run that loop, but the idea was to run it at a little bit of a lower intensity, just because. I've been putting in a lot of training since I was able to start running again, going through this build. And I was just feeling a lot of onset fatigue, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I think the body's kind of ready just for a break, you know, a small little like week to two of just either time off or low mileage. And I was like, you know, maybe this could be just the last hurrah, but I just don't know how much life my legs have in me. And when uh, I went out to, to do that FKT attempt, you know, I actually felt, really, really good. I had to warm up into it a little bit, but I felt really good. And I, you know, going through some of the mental notes in terms of time marks that I had to hit through certain segments of that course, I was, I was well ahead of pace. And it's, it's basically the descent on Pino, the upper portion of it, the first two miles. I think a lot of maybe the the heavier start that I had, because I went out pretty quick, 
um, started to catch up more, more so from the standpoint of just some of the leg strength and, and stamina going down some of the technical sections. And, you know, I think I thought I had more bank, more time banked than I did. So rather than taking some risks that I probably would normally take in an official race, um, I decided to, to pump the brakes through some of those sections and just make sure that I got through it safely without rolling an ankle, tripping, falling, you know, and getting myself hurt. You know what I mean? Because the FKT, it was more of a fun attempt than, than, um, than something that I was going to take really seriously. Like I would kind of from a competitive standpoint with a regular race. And so it wasn't until probably about a mile to two miles from the finish, I was looking at my watch, trying to do the math in my head. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to get it. I'm like, I'm going to really have to pick this thing up. And if you've been towards the bottom half of Pino, it does open up to the point where you can run a little bit more, you know, open up that stride. You're not having to go quite as, as much through a lot of the technical areas of the foothills. Um, you know, I was able to stretch it out. And I think the last point seven, like I was going somewhere in the ballpark of like a 545 pace, Wow. you know? And so I was, I was, <laughs> I gave it you know, as much as I could towards the end. And I mean, there's a lot of variables that you have to take into consideration because it's not a closed course. So you're, you're navigating, you know, hikers and, and other people that are on the trail and everybody's trying to be respectful, you know, and whatnot. And unfortunately I, 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 I missed it by 32 seconds. And I think really, I, I know where I missed it at this point and I, and I know what I can do to improve. And I think that if I put myself in a better position to be a little bit more fresh going into that, that I think that I can, I can do it. But I, I definitely don't want to take away from Michelle Hummel, who has the FKT, because she ran a fantastic time. And, you know, I'll talk with, a, you know, many other trail friends that I have, you know, about that time. And all of us are equally, you know, on the same playing field saying that that was an insanely impressive time. I'm happy to, to, to miss it by 32 seconds to her. And, you know, hopefully I can give it another attempt, maybe in, a, maybe in September or October and, and see if I can pass it at that point. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to wait to see. You know, it sounds like you're just you're having a lot of fun with your running, um, even even getting through this injury and, and, you know, doing some of these things like it sounds like you you you've kind of got that that love back that you said you had that burnout. So, you know, what are you doing now to help continue to prevent that burnout from happening again? Um. I mean, so you're right. I'm having a blast. And I think the big difference between when I was running competitively in high school and in college and what I'm doing now is running is now on my terms, right? So back in high school and in college, you know, it was kind of on my terms, but more or less it was another coach going, this is what we're going to do. Um, this is the expectation. And regardless of whether you're feeling amazing or not, this is what we're going to do, right? And I think a lot of that was a little bit tough because you're not always in the mood and you're still expected to perform. Now, on the other hand, I kind of, you know, I make my own schedule. There are, there are, you know, certain days where it's pretty common that a small group of us will, will meet up or we'll try to coordinate something. Obviously we're taking social distancing into consideration with the times, but you know, there's certain days like maybe on Sunday that we do like a long run, but more or less, you know, I'll kind of create my own schedule and I have my own goals and I have my own, 
you know, workouts. And, you know, I've done a tremendous amount of, of studying, being more or less a student of the craft to try to look at different type of training programs and, you know, what speaks to me, you know, um, what makes me excited, you know, when I look at, at how some of these amazing coaches have put together a training program to create performance for their athletes, you know, and I think that you can always, you can use one or you can pick and choose a variety of other programs, you know, like a hybrid program to try to see if you can create performances. And I think a lot of it has to do with just the experimental component of it, you know, really trying to figure out what triggers not only myself from a passion standpoint, but also from a performance standpoint. And so, you know, I, I feel fortunate to have kind of a second life at running and I've met some absolutely amazing people. And I think a lot of that attributes to me continuing to, to run and have fun with it because I get to share that experience with so many other people. And, you know, it's people of all different abilities, you know, and I think that's the amazing thing about our Albuquerque running community is everybody's so supportive of each other, regardless of whether you're running, you know, 12 minute miles or five minute miles. You know what I mean? The fact that, you know, we wake up in the morning and do the same thing. You know, we put on our shoes, we go out, we, we slog some miles and, you know, we hope that when we have a potential goal in the future uh, come up that we can hopefully better ourselves from either the pri the previous day or the pre previous performance. You know, and I think we all have a lot of knowledge that we can share with each other to help everybody improve. And so I feel like the sport's given me a lot, not just in high school and in college. You know, I, I think I had some talents and, you know, I learned a lot, met a lot of really good people. But even now in Albuquerque, you know, I mean, I look back at Lakaya, if I didn't have that running with him, who knows if I would be running, maybe I'd still be doing, you know, Orange Theory full time or doing something completely different. If I didn't have Coach Greg push me into trying to run a 135, even though I had no idea how I was going to do that, you know, or having interactions with the Dukes Track Club or some other people along the way, you know what I mean? Who knows where I would be. And I, I'm just thankful that I've had those interactions and they've been so supportive along the way that I just feel with the amount of time that I've spent even with my break that, you know, it's only fitting that I give back to the community. So if I can support anybody at any ability, you know, whether it be advice, you know, whether it just be running with them, you know, um, introducing them with different people. I mean, I find immense joy doing that too. Absolutely. I think you said that really, really well. I think our running community is, is some of the best people in the world and, and they're all inclusive. And, you know, I think that's a, a great spot to, to stop for today. And there's definitely some other questions I think, uh, you know, that I'd have you, your, your journey is, is really awesome and really unique. And I, I, I enjoyed talking to you about it and, and maybe I'll have to have you on again and delve a little deeper in some aspects, but, you know, for now, I'm going to jump to the, to the last question and, that is, um, you know, what song right now is kind of you getting you moving, getting you out that door, getting you ready for that speed workout or that long run or, or whatever it is? Oh, man. So this might be exposing a little bit more of myself than most people know, but I'm actually kind of a metalhead myself. And so <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as saying that there's a specific song, but I definitely have a handful of bands that that I'll, I'll play to get me going, especially on some of these harder trail runs, you know, or a speed workout. And, you know, not everybody's going to like these bands, but, you know, I'm big into, you know, like Tool and Slipknot and 
you know, Metallica and some of those other metal bands. And I got through this, this nice little string with, with rise against, um, for some odd reason they connected with me, you know, but I've, I've got a number of bands that, that get me going, but usually they're a little bit faster paced and, um, you know, they get the blood pumping from the first step. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I can relate. I, I went through, through a, a little metal phase and I definitely still put on some, uh, Megadeth every so often when I, I need a little extra boost. Nice. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and I, I, I enjoy them. I, I just sometimes just it takes me back. It takes me back. That's for sure. <laughs> well, those guys are classic. And if you've ever seen them live in concert, they're absolutely amazing. I have and the not, funny thing. Have they, yeah. And they all look like Eddie now, which is basically their, their, their mummy mascot at this point. Now that they're like <laughs> breaching 80 years old, but they have insane energy on stage. They're, they're incredible. That's awesome. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, this was a lot of fun. Um, I can't wait to kind of get out and, and, and go on a run with you. And I think right now you're you're a, a bit faster than I am. But, you know, one of those easy, you know, 830 runs will be great. And, uh, you know, is there anything else you want to add before I let you go? Uh, well, first off, I'd love to go with, on a run with you. And, and like I tell a, a bunch of other friends of mine, it doesn't matter, you know, the pace, you know. I just enjoy going out with other people and, and, uh, getting to know them. And, you know, the idea is just to run within our own abilities and, and, uh, you know, enjoy it. You know, obviously if I have a planned hard workout, I wouldn't encourage and invite a, a ton of people, you know what I mean? Unless I know that they're capable of it. Um, I can, I can always give somebody, you know, the idea of what we're looking to do and then they can do it at their own pace. But, uh, I just say, you know, for the rest of the running community out there, you know, running has its ups and downs for sure, but there's so much that it has to offer. And although you might hit some, some of those struggle points, you know, um, just keep working at it because eventually it'll blossom into something amazing and you get to meet some really, really cool people along the way. And I think one of the most important things is just finding your why, you know, what are you doing it for? And that'll ultimately bring the joy into, into this amazing sport. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. If you can, please rate and review, but most importantly, spread the word so we can grow this community. If you know of any runners that deserve a shout out or should be interviewed, or you just want to share your runs and connect with other people, use the hashtag runningnm on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow me at runningnm on both these platforms. If you prefer to reach out by email, you can find me at runningnewmexico at gmail.com. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud under DJ Teach. And until next time, keep running, New Mexico.